Welcome to another episode of the Self-Doubt Solution, the show that helps entrepreneurs overcome the self-doubt that holds them back from achieving the next level of success, income, and personal freedom. The Self-Doubt Solution is hosted by the freedom architect, Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share practical insights and tools that help you find the shortcuts for exponential growth and success in all areas of your life. Learn how to build the mindset you need to create a life of true abundance, freedom, and fulfillment. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everyone. This is the Self-Doubt Solution with your host, the Freedom Architect, Mario Lanzarotti. I am super excited. Today, I get to interview a dear brother, an extraordinary human being, Jeremiah Dupin. He is a serial entrepreneur. He's gone through the nitty gritty of really going from the very lowest point to the very highest point multiple times. He's been in the restaurant business. He's been in the coaching business. He's gone to the, to the jungles with the shamans. He's had a very traumatic past, which if you look at it, which we're going to do in a moment, Many people, I'm going to say this, would actually be defined by the limitations that this past created. And Jeremiah has taken that on and has pierced through it, has distracted the wisdom from it, and has put himself in a very vulnerable position multiple times. I've seen that happening just so other people can learn from his example. He truly is someone who walks the talk and he can speak from overcoming addiction to regulating your nervous system after chronic illnesses, to creating inner peace and overcoming self-doubt and the major limitations that so many of us face on a given day. With that, welcome, Jeremiah. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Man, this is, this is going to be wild. I want to I wanna hear, because you, know, you and I, we've, we've talked a little bit, and for, for, for our dear listeners, Jeremiah and I have... Um, done a men's group coaching program together with sacred sons highly recommend the guys they're amazing and uh, we've seen each other in action and we've listened to each other's stories and i had no idea that you had such a traumatic past tell us a little bit about where this entire journey for you kicked off yeah great question so i've actually it's been able to distill that down a little bit more these past few months um you know, it started out, I was about three years old. I was riding in this van with my mom and my late father at the time. And I was riding in the back seat and I had unbuckled my seatbelt to get up out of the seat to go sit with my mother. And I ended up opening this sliding door and I fell out and I hit gravel and rolled into a ditch at about 35 miles an hour, about 50 kilometers. And they thought I was dead, end up getting me, pulling me out of the ditch, rushing me to the hospital. And it was about a two to three years after that, after my parents divorce, and I was my mom remarried. I was about six years old. Um, I was then diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder and ADHD. It was put in psychiatrist offices, psychologists pumped full of prescription pills because, you know, my parents came home one day and they saw me just locking all the doors, all the lights off in the house. You know, I washed my hands hundreds of times a day until they were so dry, they bled. And what I really was able to kind of discover this past, uh, this past few months and make more sense of all these 
childhood traumas and behavioral disorders was that that impact at three from that near-death experience was really dysregulating to the nervous system mm. manifested more as these behavioral disorders and uh and then there from there spawned a life of like addiction and these unhealthy ways of coping with that dysregulation and not having any awareness of it back then so that would be a starting point to jump off from yeah and first of all holy shit i mean that kind of experience and and then looking at you now i want to ask you a question because you know you and I were, were very aware of, of the terms and the terminologies that you've just presented. I'm curious, though, if someone isn't so aware, someone is, you know, an entrepreneur, he or she is focused on building their vision and on becoming the best they can be. How do you know that you have these things? What, what are some of the signs that you had that later led you to that awareness that you have now? Oh, wow. I love that question. I've never had anyone. Yeah. Look at it. You know, it's funny. I was just with, uh, I was connecting with this girl. that's a good friend of mine last night. And that's the kind of, that was the topic that we were on. It's like, Hey, you know, there's this, there's this whole world of people telling, you, you know, like feel your emotions, right. Become aware of your emotions. And I'd heard it for so long and I'm like, well, how do you do that? What does it feel like? What, what are they? How do you name like these? And for me, I've found that an easier doorway is to start to understand who am I, who am I being, mm. you know, like, well, how do I, how do I show up in relationship to other people? And so to bring it back to that question, it's like, I've noticed these periods where maybe where I was holding shame, right. Where I've made myself wrong for something bad that happens, then I hide from people right? Or I, re- I react on them if I'm feeling bad about myself and I try to put it over here. Or if I'm sad, maybe I also hide or I'm low energy, right? So for me, I was able to start underseeing like these behavioral problems I had, these suppressed, repressed emotions over time were showing up in relation as reactive behavior, disconnected, not really knowing how to relate to people, to have shared intimacy. And it was just a slow unraveling over time. I truly believe that our, our disconnection with others and our, our feelings of loneliness and isolation, um, those things are uh, symptomatic. They're clues to unresolved emotional trauma in our body. So that's kind of the best I could articulate at this point. Mm. And you talk about addiction, right? And that's a, that's a big topic that you have, have, have addressed. And what would you say are like some of the signs that someone has an addiction? Because often what you see in the entrepreneurial community, you see this, I'm addicted to success. I'm obsessed with this. And I've become very, very much aware of my language. And I'm like, I'm not obsessed with anything. I don't, I don't want to be obsessed with what I'm doing. I'm not even obsessed with helping people because to me, that's, that's too much. It's like, I don't want to be enslaved by, by, by these things. So I'm wondering, what would you say are some of the common addictions that a lot of entrepreneurs face that they just brush off as sort of normal? Yeah, a great question. So I want to I wanna also make this conversation more accessible for people. When I used to hear the word addiction, I would also tune out for so long. 
let me just a little backstory so it makes sense for people. I grew up going to AA classes with my father. My father was kicked out of his home at age 12. He was physically abused by all of his parents. I was also physically and emotionally abused. And so growing up in that environment of Alcoholics Anonymous from a young age and seeing my father struggle with it, I didn't ever want to be like my father. Mm. I didn't want to identify that I had, you know, I don't still don't identify as an addict, but I, I had addictions. And so with that language, it was inaccessible for me to look at the true nature of what was occurring in my life for so long. You know, Eckhart Tolle talks about, you know, met, uh, we think, you know, if you fix one addiction, it just manifests from one thing to the next. And so first it's just slowing down and saying, hey, if, if the word addiction is not resonating with somebody that's listening right now, replace it with unhealthy coping mechanisms, mm. right? Behavior patterns that are, you know, are not serving you or holding you back, right? Just right. change out the language if it, if, it, if it messes with you. I'm going to use addiction for simplistic sake. Mm. So for me, um, going back to the question, um, you know, I, I, to get grounded in what we're going to define as addiction is, and where I got the best view of it now is anything that kind of pulls us away from feeling our experience, anything that pulls us away from the reality of what's occurring, what's mostly occurring inside of our body. You know, I gave the example of like from a young age, I had these like physically traumatic things that had happened, things that were also happening in my environment from my parents' divorce, the physical beatings. And I learned early on how to dissociate from my body and move into external things that gave me a sense of safety and escape. I could focus on locking doors hundreds of times, washing my hands, and it pulled me out of feeling that internal turmoil. So as adults, especially as, you know, as I got older, I learned how to then, you know, get away from doing it from these like ritual things to then, you know, drinking to numb that anxiety and disconnection I felt with others, uh, having lots of sex with, you know, manipulating women, trying to get my needs filled in these ways, overworking, right? All things that were helping me avoid that internal discomfort, disconnecting from my body, I couldn't feel it. Right. So any and it can be food. It can be, you know, uh, binging on Netflix. It can literally show as many different things on the spectrum from hard addictions to very subtle, soft nuances. And so I just again, to sum it up, is defining anything that you're doing um, unconsciously, consciously, that's pulling you away from feeling what is going on inside. Mm. disconnection over time keeps us away from our body and then you know that's what drives for me and my, my view drives our physical illness drives disease um and eventually you know like you've heard body keeps the score uh you'll eventually listen or your body will yell loud enough where you'll be forced to listen yeah yeah that's that's a, a, like and you know i like to share in this conversation also like be vulnerable and authentic last week I was out of order for about two days <clears throat> and I realized something was coming because I have been working excessively, you know, mm. it's like still, still maintaining my meditation, my workouts, my uh, eating healthy, all of these things. It has been very single focused for a long time. 
And for me, what I was missing was a sense of joy and exploration, being in nature. And I have been denying myself that. And so yeah. then I realized, okay, this is coming. And here it came. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, I was in bed. I was out. And I re realized that this was happening as, as the result of what you were just saying, you know, this excessive, excessiveness of going into one direction. And I was like, and what I learned in that for me was that however to, to listen to my body, right? And I did this. I didn't fight. I said, okay, I had plans. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to cancel all the plans. I'm just going to be in bed. I'm just going to do nothing. I'm just going to be there and be with it. And yet I recognize it's a pattern, right? Yeah. It's this working towards, oh, then I have two days off where I'm not going to do anything. And then I can continue doing that, right? And that's a pattern. So just also bringing in some awareness that, it doesn't matter how much of the internal work you have done. This is an ongoing practice of recognizing these parts of yourself are there and they can come up and it's your choice of what you decide to do with that. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, you created the space to allow yourself to feel, feel that further. You're having those couple of days in bed, able to also now just reflect on it, look at it, integrate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Talk to me a little about, bit about nervous system. So this is a big topic. And I talk about this as well with my clients. I haven't really talked about this in a public sense. Yet I want to know from you, what does it mean to regulate your nervous system? And why is that important for people like, you, like us, high performers that have a vision that they want to create that? Why is that important? Yeah, so... I mean, where do I start with this one? You know, I, I made a video a couple months ago. I was, uh, I was working with this lady, Judith Johnson, who she was referred to me by Aubert, mm. who found Sacred Sons. And he shared with me, you know, that she, she helped, you know, Peter Levine get his work off in the ground early on, somatic experiencing. She's been in it like 50 years. And I see that she worked around the nervous system and the vagus nerve. So I flew out to her home for five days and um, she's the one that helped me piece together this uh, early childhood trauma from age three and how that showed up in the behavioral dysfunctions. And as I finished that work with her and it was just new levels of peace I'd not felt in my nervous system, the work she did around the vagus nerve, helping you release stuck emotional pain. I started to reflect on that and look at um, you know, if I could go back and do everything over again, you know, all the plant medicines and landmark and coaching and books and uh, trauma therapies and everything, I would have started right with her first and foremost. And I tell everybody this, thing, I would have started focusing on the nervous system first and foremost. And here's why, you know, we can learn these like little tools to breath work and so on and so forth to regulate the nervous system, right? You can go into ayahuasca, you can go to landmark. However, what happens is most people then go back into their environment. Mm. They're not really supportive of that stuff sticking and their nervous system goes back into a perpetual state of dysregulation. Now, another thing that I believe is not being talked about in terms of regulating our nervous system but i'm going to use the term like let's just use it healing slash integrating our nervous system and everything that's happened is that you might get these hits of uh relaxation after breath work and yes. you know right after a peak medicine experience 
However, if the root cause of the dysregulation is not dealt with, right, traumatic imprints that are attached, like very deep stuff from childhood, if it's not gotten out in a structured way, and or the other not often talked about, chronic illness is not addressed, people will continue to go back into the dysregulated states after time. And I say that from a lived experience. All of that work I had done and all these tools I had, I still missed, you know, deep stuff that was attached, sorry, that was going off with the vagus nerve. I had uh, mold toxicity in my blood, which was amplifying the nervous system. And so even all the best tools in the world were not addressing the root cause. And so it's kind of just a paint, a paint a fuller picture there. There's, there's regulating it, right? That's like giving someone supplementation, or I, I even say almost like the doctor for trying to treat the symptoms. Mm. And then there's going to the root cause, right? Mm. Uprooting any chronic inflammation, deep traumatic imprints that might need, you know, might need a lot of deep structured work or the professional. Um, that's kind of the whole view I would look at it and ways one can go about, um, let's call it managing it for lack of a better phrase. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about this traumatic experience, right? A lot of people have traumatic experiences. You weren't saying that you've had, you've experienced physical and emotional abuse and, you know, among the near death experience and that has left a deep imprint on your subconscious mind. What does it look, what does the healing process look like? Because there are so many people that talk about it yeah. in so many different ways. What, what would you say was, was it that got it out for you so that you don't repeat it again and again? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is, this is the work I'm, I'm, I'm going to be starting working with another coach to distill all of this down to make it more accessible. So I'm going to be, I won't butcher it, but just know that I'm going to, I'm going to give my best way of kind of sharing through a personal example of how other people can cut the time down um that they don't have to go around these circles right there's this big thing in the you know plant medicines you hear a lot about plant medicines right now and cold plunging and breath work and i believe all those things are are great and they serve a purpose and um you know i, I see a lot of people that do these things and still have uh reactivity still succumb to a lot of fear and they're like i've done i've done the same thing so it's no judgment i can mm. say it out of recognition not judgment and when i tell people like you know again if i could go back and do it all over again to look at healing traumatic imprints is i would find um structured modalities like somatic experiencing uh, like this lady judith johnson who does psychoneuroenergetics I would find practitioners that work directly with the vagus nerve, the nervous system, and the psychological imprints that have happened in one's life. And I would work that in a structured way, going back, clearing out all childhood traumas that you can see, adult traumas. Um, and I would start there because when that stuff is cl clear, it becomes very easy to keep the nervous system at rest and or to regulate it with those tools then, right? What happens, what I've seen happen is people that don't deal with the traumatic imprints and things that have ha happened, they might regulate their nervous system with some breast work, but it, they're then quickly dysregulated again when something happens, right? And then a lot of times, what, how to try to articulate here is 
you know, we're in these, when we haven't truly healed the nervous system, whether it's from a chronic inflammation that's driving it like mold, Lyme, um, other autoimmune issues, and, or we've got traumatic imprints that haven't been truly uprooted, then what we're doing is we are living life from this dysregulated or non-peaceful state. And therefore, everything that we do is creating more non-peace and dysregulation. Mm. And so for me, the, 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 the real juice of it all is focusing there first to get that clear, to get to a peaceful state so that what you create is then more peace in the world. Your life is a creation rather than a reaction. Um, and so that's the best way I can articulate it right now. And I know that's a big part of my, my message is to help people kind of pop and wake up to that, get out of the game of chasing all of uh, these other tools and practices and stuff and get down to the core of what's causing dysregulated behavior, which then creates all of these reactive decisions and misaligned decisions we make in our life and just keep us yeah. on this fucking huge loop of misalignment. Yeah. Yeah. So if I hear you correctly, <clears throat> you're saying rather than first thinking about what is it that I want to create and then working on creating that is first establishing sort of a base where you can arrive at a, at a home that, uh, that we call peace. And then from that place, then start creating. Because otherwise, if you do the opposite, you're going to continuously relive the thing that you don't have or that you tell yourself that you don't have, which creates a lot of reactivity inside of you, which then creates a lot of the scarcity that a lot of people are experiencing. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah. 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 There's, you know, some people will have a big vision and they'll just go after it. I, I, I did that. And along the way, then I got to see all the stuff that was unresolved, right? Until I, until I decided to stop ignoring that stuff that was really unresolved, right? It was just going to continue to show up and cause me more pain. Right. So a human being, you could like, you know, they can do that. They can, they can go chase it and it'll always catch up to them. So things that are unresolved and not faced will show up. They'll show up in our relationships. They'll show up in our business, how we lead. So yeah, it's slowing down. Like, are you, are you willing to look and get your internal space cleaned up first? Mm. Right. Everything in your environment, your home, your internal life, get that all cleaned up and then create from that space, a, a peaceful place. Yeah. What does what does that look like mentally? Like creating peace. You know, you talk about trauma. Trauma to me is when I look at it from the mental perspective, it's like an unresolved situation. There's something that happened in the past that we're not at peace with. What would you say are some of the mental tools that have helped you to come to a greater resolution, to a greater sense of peace mentally? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, there's this distinction and landmark you probably remember. I mean, it's one of the core ones that it was the first thing that I'd heard that helped me step out of a lot of uh, decades of resentment and anger and pain I held towards my family was, you know, there's what happens in our life. And then there's the stories we tell ourselves around what happened. Right. You know, a lot of looking at that and, and getting clear, um, you know, on what's true and what's not true. Where have I made up things about what happened in my past and held on to things. That was a, that was a kind of the first opening, you know, in terms of practices, meditation was definitely also a start, you know, just giving, I started out years ago, uh, I'd say it's 2016, 17, I started 
meditating just went in, you know nearly every day since then and it just started out as five to ten minutes using a typical app like headspace or calm you know and involved many different practices over the year to all the way up you know vipassana 10-day silent meditations and what i've seen you know over the years that 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 intentionally creating that space every morning to have meditation to just like observe my thoughts just to sit still was a doorway to you know deeper reflection to looking at why do i you know where are these thoughts coming from you know what's still unresolved why why are they why is this one continue to loop you know why do i just had me start to really reflect more on my life rather than just continuing to make a bunch of decisions and not understanding where they're coming from so yeah meditation landmarks work huge i believe some of the best stuff for the mental the mental game um those two components have been you know super helpful and working with uh you know you've met anurag working with a close mentor who you know taught landmark and was really powerful in the world of distinctions and shifting mindsets i think you know having a good mentor who can uh pass off wisdom someone that you you can trust yeah. is also you know a, a great thing in the in the headspace yeah yeah so you mentioned landmark a couple times yeah. And I've been there myself. And, you know, just like you, I tell everybody one of the most powerful experiences I've had in my entire life. Um, yeah. And one of the things they talk about a lot is taking responsibility. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, when they hear responsibility, especially entrepreneurs, they're like, yeah, of course, I'm taking responsibility. I'm beating <laughs> myself up. Right. It's my fault. I fucked up. So, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm taking care of this now. I'm curious, what is your perspective on responsibility? Yeah, I love this question. Um, you know, I see in the world of responsibility that, you know, I, I've kind of framed it this way in my, at this point in my life, that everything that's occurring in my life is that, you know, I've, I've got a hand in creating it, right? Uh, you know, I went through, um, I had a partner, um, we just broke up for the second time lot of love for her and so many great lessons you know we came back into each other's life again and you know in the end it's 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 very easy to blame you know when when relationships in and so on and so forth and you know when you're feeling the grief and the pain and so even just looking at in the context of of that like a breakup it's just like where is there an opportunity to see where i created this you know i i had some success in um business in the business i built in dubai also had a lot of pain inside of that business. It was, I sold successfully. I reinvested in another business in the US and I went bankrupt, you know? And it's like, wow, you know, where, where did I create that? Like, it, it's not, I can, I can, it's easy to blame on the market conditions. Like, ah, oh, there wasn't enough people eating there. Um, or, you know, my, I didn't hire, the, you know, the right, the right people, they weren't good enough, but that's all pushing the responsibility outside of ourselves. So I'm always looking as like, where was I a creator in this? And in further, furthermore, in responsibility, whether it's relationships, where it's business, even the health, I'll just give another example, you know, getting mold toxicity in my blood. It's very easy to say, you know what? Well, that's because I, you know, I lived in the house and the landlord didn't do this and so on and so forth. And and, and I wanted to do that. But when I took space and had a health practitioner challenge me a little bit further, it says, look, I want you to take a closer look at what's gotten you into this situation with your health. 
I started looking at, well, let me go back further. Let me look at the 20 plus years of addiction. Let me look at all the times since I got out of the Marines in 2010, when I was doing a lot of ecstasy and MDMA and chasing uh, drugs and partying and women, overworking out, beating my body down, um, foodborne illnesses. I was weakening my immune system a long period of time. Mm. And here I am. I created this. I got my body to this place. And here is one of the consequences. I'm responsible for that. And now I'm also responsible for getting cleaned up. I'm not inherently responsible. I have to choose to take responsibility. And so it's trying to give, a, a, you know, all these different areas for other people to start to see it, health, wealth, relationships that we're, cre we're creating our life all the time. And I've found that responsibility is a much more empowering place to stand when we're blaming and uh, trying to put it off on the external events of our life. It's very disempowering. It's hard to create change if we're placing the source of our life outside of us. Mm. So that's a small, small context. Sorry, not, uh, just a small glimpse I could I give of like how responsibility has started to live for me and in, in all the ways in which I've looked at it. I love that. I love that. And I'm, 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 I'm right there with you. And I like, I like to make things very simple because I find that sometimes these concepts that we're talking about, they can be very overwhelming for people. They're like, what the fuck are you even talking about? You know, yeah. I'm already doing that. This is too much. Similar to what you were saying, addiction is like, no, I'm not an addict. What do you mean? Like, look yeah. at me, I'm doing fine. And to me, I like to look at the word and I just turn the word around and responsibility means the ability to respond. Now, now, what I do, for instance, I ask, because I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of, I believe that our external world is a mirror of our internal world. So then I ask myself, where do I create the in, inner environment for me to get into a state of reactivity? Because the reactivity is what derails me from the path of responsibility. That's yeah. where I'm going to go. I'm just repeating the same thing over and over again. And I... One of the things that I find very interesting is when it comes to people moving beyond their comfort zone, and I'm curious to your take on this, what has really helped me and the clients that I work with is when you're moving beyond or when you're planning to move beyond your comfort zone, what your brain will do, your brain is a reference of the past. It will look into the past and it'll say, when was the last time I did something similar? How did that go? And oftentimes, if there's unresolved trauma, it's like, oh, that didn't go well. So mm -hmm. don't do that. So now you're already having this, this vest of this, 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 you're wearing this, this, this vest of anxiety. And you're like, oh, shit. You remember the last time? Mm -mm. So now when you're using blame, come on, or, or this whole tactic of like, just push harder, man. Just keep going. Stop being lazy. Stop being a bitch. You know, work hard, play hard. That mentality that a lot of people have, I find it does the opposite. And yeah. they may initially move outside of their comfort zone and get some results. However, then what you said is exactly what happens. Their past catches up with them and they crash. So I'm yeah. curious, how do you do that internally when you're thinking about doing something that's out of your comfort zone, something new that you want to try? Before we continue the conversation with my inspiring guest, I have a very special announcement to make. If you're a business owner, I have a feeling you started this journey because you want more than just success. You want to live a truly abundant life. That means having a profitable business to fund the lifestyle you love and create a massive positive impact. It also means having thriving relationships with people who inspire and challenge you. 
being mentally, emotionally, and physically healthy so you can have the energy to go after what you really want while truly enjoying the process. And being able to go on adventures that really make life worth living rather than just sitting behind your computer all day. So if you would like to be able to have this kind of abundance in your life, then I've just got the right thing for you. The Abundance Accelerator Academy is my new membership community where we host three monthly coaching calls that are focused on helping you improve your mindset, grow your business, and create the kind of freedom you want. There are also fun monthly community growth challenges that help you build new success habits which you will need to access greater levels of abundance. All of this and more for just $69 per month. If this sounds exciting to you, visit www.abundanceupgrade4.me to learn more. And now, back to the show with my inspiring guest. You know, that's a good question. I'm still discovering that. I want to, I just want to back up one second. It's okay. I want to, of course, I'll link it in. So in this responsibility to leave, you asked this question is like, what does it look like? Paraphrasing, what does it look like? Mm -hmm. Right. And so one thing I've, I want to leave people with to um, further increase their responsibility or to make it easier. Mm. There's this thing of like, especially in the world of relationships, which I love supporting people getting complete being, you, you can use other language, like finding closure with people from their past or present, um, just bringing peace to all their relationships. Yeah. And the one way I found of being really responsible for that is to really get clear in all the ways we've been responsible to write that stuff out of our head, to put it out on a piece of paper, all the ways I resent this person or situation where I'm holding on or I'm angry, all the ways in which I was responsible for it occurred. And then to be witnessed and sharing that with somebody you trust, somebody very close, like, Hey, this is what I did to this person. This is, this is how I showed up to clear that energy here. And then lastly is to then take that out to the other person and to make amends. It's nothing to do with them or the situation. It's all about owning our, our part, right? And that helps us clear the energy that's here, be at peace, have amends with them. So that's one way I found that's just highly effective. Helped a lot of people go through that process um, to be responsible, at least in the terms of, of, of their relationship. Now, what you were saying here, uh, how do you overcome these situations, uh, not where, let me paraphrase or reflect back what you're saying, it's not where this like vest of armor after something's bad happened. Is that what I'm hearing correct? Like yes. trying to protect yourself from anxiety. Yeah. So, so what happens is, you know, and when you, let's, let's say you've never started a business and you're the first time you're thinking about starting a business, then your brain will go into the past and will think, when was the last time I did something similar to starting a business? Maybe it's like, okay, when was the last time I uh, did um, uh, a theater rehearsal for my school play and I bombed and it's like, oh, yeah. and then I, my brain went like, never do anything like that again. So now you're doing that and you're standing in front of it and you might not consciously remember all this, but it's just super uncomfortable. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then the mental conversation for most people is just get fucking get your shit together. This is not a big thing. Just just fucking do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's the kind of leading with discipline and self-judgment and being hard on ourselves yeah. and just pushing through. Yeah. You know, it's. I haven't had it specifically in the context you were sharing. It's, it's been in, um, 
I like to best share rather than like uh, mm -hmm. just share examples that people could see it. I dealt with this thing <laughs> a few years ago when I was running this restaurant business. Okay. And I was the first, one of the first businesses in all of Kansas city to go cashless. And it was a big thing to go to only take cards in the Midwest, a lot of conservative people. And I had a lot of people criticize, you know, like, you know, why are you doing this? It's, it's a cash is a legal tender. You got to take it. And I'm like, well, there's places like New York where many of the restaurants already cashless. The world's going this way. So after about a, you know, I caught a lot of flack here and there, but I stood by why we were doing it. It was better for our employees, less chances of getting uh, robbed. Um, you know, it's better efficiency for the business, so on and so forth. Um, so after about a year of that, I had, I had made this post on Facebook for our business and somebody just happened to bring it up again. And I went into this place of like reacting, defending, you know, on the comment, not like anything harsh, but I was like just trying to, it was coming from a defensive energy. And they took one of my statements um, you know, out of context and they went and ran with it. You know, it was along the lines of, you know, you know, the reason we're, we're, we're not going to not go cashless because just because people don't want to pay their taxes. There was this whole thing around people would come into my restaurant and I would, I'd ask them, you know, the ones that didn't have debit or credit cards that only had cash. And I would often ask them like, Hey, you know, is there a reason why you're so against this? They're like, well, you know, I'm in the service industry and people in the service industry a lot of times we don't have bank account. We don't want to pay taxes on our tips. I was like, okay, so you guys don't want to pay taxes. That shouldn't be a reason that I can't go cashless, right? Because you don't want to pay taxes. Right. And so I'd made this statement on Facebook in short saying, hey, look, you know, a lot of the people that I've talked to don't want to pay taxes on their cash, something along those lines. And boy, they ran with it. They local news channels got on it they were coming to interview me i was getting hate. they were smearing my name all over i made vice news like worldwide seven million what? people in their publication and later like a year later i was in some global magazine publication taking the words that i said completely out of context right and that whole experience was very traumatic for me you know, it was very tough to see the hateful things, people saying I'm discriminating against black and poor people, like just horrific stuff. Oh, wow. And uh, anyways, I, I remember Anurag, like, you know, he'd coached the founder of Lululemon. He'd helped a lot of people yeah. go through these type of things, you know, getting their names smeared in the media. And um, I just remember how, how hard it was and, and how I started to slowly over time use my voice and voice less mm. on social media so it's some kind of tying back into here and and so you know this was a few years this was three or four years ago and you know now you know there is still that times like when, when i share something online you know am i just gonna like oh just fucking share it? you know it doesn't matter anything you know just not to be hard on myself but it's like oh that's there's still a little of that residue you know, what if I put this out and somebody comes and takes this one out and they, they chastise my name. And so for me, the best way I found it is just kind of a, like a loving kindness with myself, like a, a little grace. Like I learned to stop, slow down, like feel it as, you know, I can talk it out here, share more of it. Let it, let that old past diffuse. Um, the second part, and so just little steps, like building new neural patterns, reminding myself that it's safe, like I can handle other people's upset, right? The second part of that does link back to the nervous system. 
you know, how, how much peace do I feel inside? How, how confident am I, am myself? You know, do I have the tools to, you know, deal with any backlash that comes and know that I'm going to be safe in here? But like, uh, you know, people's words may hurt, but, you know, I can deal with the storms of life. So it's kind of twofold for me. It's definitely not in the world, though, of like being fucking hard on myself and pushing through like that stuff doesn't work. It's just it's just masquerading coming up. And the stuff that's created, you know, the expression that comes from that being hard on our space is tainted with that energy. Right. And it's going to it's it's not it might not resonate. It, that frequency is going to be coming from that harsh judgmental place. And so it might only resonate with other people that are on that place. Mm. Right. So that's that's kind of the best I could formulate and articulate yeah. that with Corey. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've answered it very well. And it it resonates with what I'm what I'm sharing a lot with this, especially what you said about giving yourself, you know, I'm paraphrasing, giving yourself love, you know, saying, I'm safe, I'm safe. And this is this was such a big insight and breakthrough for me to realize that psychological and emotional safety is a, a high contributor to healthy levels of high performance. Because in the beginning, I thought, well, this is some like a weak uh, thing. It's like, what do you mean like safety? I don't need safety. I got this. I'm powerful, you know? And, <laughs> and I, just like you were saying, it was just covering up. It was just covering up yeah. for the deep insecurity that was already there. And I was, and the way that I explain this to my clients is like, like in my, in my home, I have two pictures of myself, younger versions of myself. And there's a version of myself that is a little bit more chubby. And I used to feel very ashamed about that version of myself for a long time. I'll talk about it. And now I have it there. And multiple times during the day, I send this version of me love because yeah. this version of me is still alive and well inside of me. And so yeah. whenever I have these, you know, I, I, sometimes still today, when I notice I'm, I'm in a lower state, and then I, you know, take off my shirt and I look at my body. I'm like, the first thing that I do is like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You're safe. I love you. You're good the way you are. And then if there's deeper things, then I go look at that on a deeper level. And then the moment to moment, it's this, it's this appreciation. It's this being with what is. And I got to say, it's helped me to consistently perform at a very high level for a very long time and not do it at the expense of my health not do yeah. it at the expense of my joy and that used yes. to look very different yeah no it's spot on there was a you know just as you're, you're talking i was thinking all the times like yeah it was just hard on myself beat myself down self-critical and driving from that space and just to hear you that you've also learned that stepping out of that and like first learning to come to acceptance and peace right here then allows more uh fruitful aligned peaceful uh resolve to come towards whatever it is you know that you might want to create from that place rather than just driving from these old habitual negative thought patterns yeah there's a there's a there's a really good quote that um you know i i'll have to find it later but um let me give me one second yeah i wanted i wanted to read it to you and i think i i might give me two seconds here i'm sure it's worth the wait yeah there it is so it's along this lines it's from werner Erhard, who founded landmark it says i'm not proud of the way i am nor am i ashamed this is who i am and i've learned to accept myself as i am and not try to fix myself most people are horrified when i say that 
because they recognize we can all improve and therefore I ought to be interested in changing myself, but I'm not. I spent more than half my life working on changing myself and I got very successful at it. Man, I really knew principles of change, but as the old French proverb goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I've learned it's more empowering simply to accept yourself as you are, not narcissistically loving yourself, but a simple being at peace with yourself. When I'm able to be fully responsible for the way I am without justification or rationalization, new possibilities for being come into existence. I find myself growing naturally without effort. Werner Erhard, founder of Landmark. And so it's that, it's like what I hear is like, oh, I'm going to stop. Even look at my body. Maybe it's not where, you know, where it needs to be. Like I didn't, I didn't get to get in the gym for a year with that chronic illness. Oh, but just learning to accept that this is where it's yeah. at rather than being at war with myself yeah. and further perpetuating pain and disease. Yeah. And yeah. this is so, so good. I love the quote and it's the essence of the work that I do because I did exactly the same thing that Warner Era did for the longest time in my life. And the biggest realization I had and which, you know, before the conversation started, the podcast started, you and I were talking, I went to Peru in November of last year. And this was still coming from a place of like, what's the next big inner mountain I can climb and overcome yeah. so I can tell and show everybody that I'm the biggest, baddest motherfucker. And I'm yeah. like, peace. And yeah, yeah. it was all coming from hustle. And then I was there and I got the, I got the, the bill for it. And it was, it was, it was slightly traumatic, the experience because of the, the environment that we were in insects everywhere, very low standard of living, lovely people, lovely people, amazing work that they're doing, not blaming or judging that just for me, for, 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 or for us, it was too much. It was just too much. And I will remember the moment where after I drank the medicine and I had purged, for those of you that don't understand what purging is, purging is the part where you puke. Um, it's usually like certain emotions that are coming up and it's a cleansing process in the ayahuasca ceremony. And I was just totally stripped naked. I mean, I was just like, uh, I can't. I was mm -hmm. totally overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, Jesus. I had Jesus come to me. Now, you got to know this about me. I'm not a religious person. I've never read a book about Jesus. I, I, to this point, at that time, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I was more like, yeah, okay, great. You know, I believe in it, but I'm not really connected to it. And it can't, he came to me. And I went into this in, infinite amount of bliss and love and joy from, the, from this terror that I was just experiencing. And the message was, just be it. Stop seeking. Stop seeking. Just be it. Stop seeking. And I was like, oh my God, it makes so much sense. It's like the whole time I'd been masquerading, trying to, you know, masquerading this, this inner process of growth with this <laughs> covering up for this deep insecurity. And I was yeah. trying to become something. And I was like, well, actually all of the abundance teachings say the opposite. They say, be what you want to be. And to your point, I find when you accept yourself or your surroundings, you come to a greater experience of peace. And with that, it just happens to multiply itself. And all of a sudden, the things that you say you want that will give you that peace 
just happen to become so much easier in the in the creation of them. Yeah, hundred percent. I want to build up build upon this man, this and bringing it back into this world of um, you know safety, peace, and you know accepting ourselves. You know, you know, you, I, I I assert that a lot of people listening to this people have dealt with shame, right? They understand. Yeah. I just well, what you were talking about. I've just started to come to realize this past you know, year, you know, when I was going through this chronic illness of mold toxicity, my nervous system was really amplified with a lot of the toxins that were affecting it. And it was left in this state, especially after four rounds of antibiotics from those rounds of strep throat I had prior to it, my body was like, was really beat up. Nervous system was really amplified. And therefore like my mindset was like, something's wrong. Like there is something wrong with me. And I saw, I was finally able to start to see because I had more awareness this time around in my life. And I created a lot of space to heal from this that I've driven a lot of my life from there's, there's something wrong, mm. something wrong with my life, you know, from a lot of the childhood trauma stuff, you know, being made wrong in the home, religious upbringing. Well, I took that as like, you know, learning how to shame myself over life and something's wrong and then going out and fix myself. And it's just a loop. Right. And I see how all of that is also linked to the nervous system safe. If we're feeling safe and rested and peace on ourselves, that we don't, we don't feel like we're under threat. We don't feel like our life's under threat, our relationships, our finances. We just feel that there's this sense of peace and well-being. We're not, we're way less likely to go out and try to fix and change yourself or think that there's something wrong. And so um, I think not, I think I see that there's both a mental component in being able to be aware of that and see it. And it's just so inextricably linked with the, the state of our nervous system. No matter all the landmark work, like I talked about doing earlier and getting these distinctions and coaching and stuff, if the body and nervous system is still saying, hey, something's wrong, way more likely to continue down some of these paths like we yeah. see where the personal development world becomes you get sucked into the capitalistic nature of it yeah. uh, the next course and the next and this and it's all just habitual as a reaction to that something's wrong with me yeah. so safety for, first in the in our own body to me is is super paramount at all levels yeah yeah to totally agree with you and and, and also second what you were saying in terms of focusing on the body and really getting clear on where is the state of my body? Am I living in an inflamed, reactive, stressed out state that is continues to perpetuate itself? Because, you know, there's a saying, you can never think greater than how you feel. Yeah, you can, you can, you can have the, the most uh, enlightened mindset in the world, you know, just like I consider myself have a very strong, very strong aligned mindset, right? And yet, for instance, last week, my body was in pain, you know, it was like my, my joints, you know, I had, I had a headache fever. They don't talk to me about mindset yeah. work at that time. I was miserable. I was like, fuck you. I was like, I want yeah. to watch some Game of Thrones. And then first I shamed myself. Oh, but I shouldn't be watching Game of Thrones. It's all about killing each other. And then I was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just enjoy that. And as I did that, I could see my body just go, oh, yeah, relax. And yeah. two days later, I was back in my power. I'm good. 
So yeah. I totally agree that you need to create an awareness of what's going on. And I think people that have a sort of a hint that there's something off in, in their body, I highly recommend reaching out to Jeremiah because he really knows, knows what he's doing. And more importantly, he's been there. I find it so difficult to trust people these days that have this study mind. Yeah, I read about it. I'm a doctor. I'm a PhD, but they've never been there. And I, yeah. I don't trust that. So I really love what you are bringing forward to the world. And then and I want to ask you two more questions. Yeah. One is, and I'm really curious how you see this. Now, you were talking earlier about the environments that people go back into. You know, you can do all of the inner work. Mm. You know, you can do the landmarks, the ayahuasca, the coachings and whatnot. And then you go back into certain environments where there are certain, with certain people that have a certain mentality where their, their behavior is very toxic. Like, how do you deal with that? Do you yeah. just say sayonara or what's the way for you to dealing with that in a healthy way? Yeah, let me, let me broaden environment a little bit. So environment, yes, heavily made up of people, culture that we're in, right? Conversations we're having, our life is a you know, a series of conversations, you could say. They're made up from the conversations with the people in our life. You know, it's also the access to food we have. You know, our living situation. Some people might be living in a, a moldy home that they can't get out of. Like, it's really toxic to their system. The access to, to light, maybe warm weather, sunshine. Like, to think of it, the, the broader environment of many of these aspects, mm. right? So, you know, where this really started making sense, I passed a lot of credit on to my mentor, Anurag, is, you know, he says, look at a lot of people want to think that psychedelics and these things are the answer. It's this big cure-all. But what even, even Landmark, the reason he left coaching Landmark is because he really got over time is these people are coming from these big peak experiences, these aha moments, but then they're going back into environments that don't support helping them integrate and actually living and showing up in their day-to-day -day life. Yeah. And so when you're going, when you you're for anybody that's listening let's say you're going on a retreat or you're going to do a course whatever it might be this this peak experience you're going to have the question i always ask people is like how is your environment going to support that actually living on in your life because if you're not asking yourself that question then you're setting yourself up for that experience just to be another addiction another peak high if you're dealing with people you know like in your environment let's say you're in misaligned I don't like, I don't try not to use the word toxic relationship so much, but a relationship that is misaligned where, you know, you and your spouse, or your significant other are fighting and yelling at each other. Neither are you taking responsibility or you're going to a, a job that, you know, your boss is out of integrity or you're having to do things that are not in resonance with your soul. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're, you're living in, an, in a town where you don't have access to good quality foods, right? I go on work trips sometimes. I'm in these small cities that I can only stay for a little bit because there's not good quality food access. What are these things in your environment that are pulling you away from really making the change that you know you want to make in your life, right? What, well, this group of friends that are, you know, drinking all the time, but you're over here trying to get sober. What are all, what kind of books, what shows are you watching? You know, what are all the things in your environment? And can you really be honest with yourself? What's aligned and what's not aligned? It's not making it right, wrong. It's getting it out of the language of judgment, bringing it back into the words of what's effective, what's not effective. 
and being willing to look and, and design your environment so that it's going to support whatever work that you endeavor on, right? That is what's going to have real, real lasting um, integrative change in your life. The, these, these new ways of being that you want to create in the world that you see about yourself that you're, you're trying to pursue. So yeah, looking at that environment from a, a real wide angle and seeing what's effective and non-effective and just you know being honest with yourself about it. And if you're not willing to do that, then at least be honest that, hey, you're, you, you're just chasing something. You're also just chasing another peak over here. Um, it's just being clear with ourselves. Boom, 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 boom. Wow, I love that. that. That was a really good answer. And it encapsulates so many different aspects of what you were saying. And, you know, I can, from my own experience, as people are going through that shift in environment, you might encounter a sense of loneliness. And yes. that's okay. And know that that's part of the journey. Or it can be part of the journey, not saying that every single person is going to experience exactly that. But I love what you were saying and really taking a hard look at your environment at the kind of people that you're around with and are they conducive to this vision that you're living into? Like when you're going into this retreat seminar space and coaching, you're going into a radical transformation. They are, there's the ideas that you are receiving there, they are radical. You know, just one idea that I often offer to people is like, self-love as your default not as your reward yeah that's a that's a monumental shift with two different worlds clashing together but then if you're going back to a world where you know maybe your partner is doing the opposite maybe your parents or your work environment it, you're always going to feel like the one who's doing something wrong like you're going to question yourself and there's going to be a lot of doubt that you encounter so i really appreciate what you said about really becoming conscious of your environment and i have one more question for you that i always ask all my guests and i'm really curious what you're going to say if you could spend an hour of time with any person dead or alive who would it be and why oh wow any person do you say de death dead or alive yeah dead or alive You know, the, the one person that just popped up, which I, I this is just random. I haven't, I've never actually sat and thought about this question, but for some reason, Martin Luther King popped into my head, mm. you know, that just a pivotal point, sorry, a pivotal point in our history. And um, I mean, I just think about this, the tiny little oppression I had in relationship, you know, I share the story about people destroying my name over going cash or something. This guy created a revolution a revolution around you know who we are people's skin color like equality and so just seeing the degree and how i handled like that and what what how it impacted me to get this person's world who went through you know just something unexplainable and, and the shift that it had you know for a nation now that's you know 300 plus million people the i would love to just sit with this man and hear his wisdom and how he alchemized any pain that he was going through mm. and how he was able to keep his energy focused on, you know, who he was being and what he stood for. There's something else I'll tie into it. You know, my mentor Anurag always gives us, um, he was doing this thought exercise with himself one time and when he was working with Landmark and, he, you know, it was this whole thing around like, if you have more money, can you make more of a difference in the world? 
and was trying to pull that apart and find where it's false. So anyways, he finally dig and, you know, begin to look at it. You know, they have people like uh, Steve Jobs and Tony Robbins, uh, Bill Gates, right? These people have a lot of money. Um, but you also, and, and, you know, are they making the, the level of change, though, that people like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and Mandela, who didn't have a lot of money, right? And so I find it fascinating that they all, you know, Martin Luther King wasn't this like super wealthy person like a Bill Gates, but it was who he was being and the stand he took in life. And so um, I just I just really admire that impact. And um, that's somebody I would, I would really love to sit down with. Mm, beautiful answer. And, and also love how you weave into the, the impact through your example, through your beingness, which really resonates because I was just reflecting as you're saying, it was like, yeah, it was like, I haven't had a lot of money compared to like you know millions hundreds of millions and yeah. yet i've made a lot of impact on a lot of people's lives some thousands all over the world just by being me and yep. and i think it's a very refreshing answer and to a lot of people i think it inspires and still it's a lot of hope because they're like yeah but i don't have the money i can't i wish i could build the school in africa i wish i could start the mentorship academy in vietnam whatever you know and you're saying no just be that, be that change, breathe, breathe, walk that change. So I love that. Jeremiah, I know that you have an offer for people to have a conversation with you. And I think everybody listening to this interview should capitalize on this opportunity because talking to you is, is a treat, is a gift. You're so full of wisdom and, and, and I have such a rich experience of life. Can you maybe distill that a little bit more as to what someone might gain from talking to you? Yeah, you know, I, it, I first went to my uh, mentor Anurag because I, you know, <laughs> secretly what I really wanted was to scale my businesses to make a lot of money. And I also wanted to bring transformation and personal development. And he wasn't up for that game anymore of just helping people make millions and billions of dollars. It was about creating heart-centered, purposeful businesses. And so eventually I had to learn a lot of hard lessons of letting go of my attachments. And so now, like, I also like to work with people in the sense that people can come for anything. And what I really up to, though, is helping people see where their certain attachments, their ways of being, their behavioral patterns, their addictions are stifling what their heart truly wants. Right. I, I have a, a real knack and uh, I'd say a real gift for listening to people in such a way and being able to reflect back and challenge them and help them get their lives into alignment to be able to show them in a very direct, uh, compassionately confronting way where they're holding themselves back. And I really like to work with people in a very nonlinear way, meaning, you know, I'll give an example. Some people might want to say they want to lose 50 pounds. By the way, I used to teach fitness all over the world for many oh. years. And they might want to attack it by just going to the gym and putting in more hours and, and cutting their food. And I would take a completely different approach, not only in the fitness, but in even if they're wanting to build, uh, you know, make more money is we're not going to just look at that direct path. We're going to look at, you know, what, what are the ways you're feeling? What are the type of things you're engaging in your life that are actually not in resonance with your soul and helping people make the connection? Like this is how your energy is being drained, right? This is why you don't have as much money as you'd like. This is why your relationships are suffering and, and helping people make those connections and then showing them 
that you can really perform at a much higher level. You'll have more peace. Your sleep will be better. You can lose that weight you want yeah. by going some of these nonlinear approaches. And um, so my gift a lot is in the listening, right? Being very direct and confronting with people and then holding them accountable to what they say they really want in life and showing them how they can get that. So that's a, that's how I can boil it down in about a minute and a half. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's very precise. And again, I highly recommend people listening to this, take this opportunity, really connect with him. He's a beautiful man. He's got a lot to offer. Jeremiah, where can people find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, you can uh, ride the wave.io website. It'll link you straight to a calendar. You can book a discovery call with me, see if we're fit, if I can support you in any way. And at least just make a connection. Be happy to connect and meet people. And uh, same thing with my Instagram, ridethewave.io. Um, I'll be putting out a lot more content here over the next few months. I'm starting to just build this off the ground on a larger scale. So beautiful. Yeah, thanks for having me here today. This has been great to connect with you and love this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for spending your time sharing the energy and the space with me here today. Uh, thank you to all of the listeners. Yeah, I will be posting the links to Jeremiah's um, contact info into the show notes. And with that, I'm complete. Thank you for being part of the self-doubt solution. And I'll see you on the next episode. Peace out.